Well, hi, and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. Um, And I'm excited, this week is the third of our five weeks where we're gonna be highlighting some of our different local outreach partners as a part of our Justice and Mercy series. And I am privileged to be here with Ann Thorward and also with Karen Althaus. And you are the president of Newcomer, uh, Newcomer, is it Newcomer or Newcomers? Newcomers with an S. Newcomers with an S. Newcomers Access Center. Mm -hmm. And Karen, you are our church liaison helping us get connected there because for each of our local outreach partners, we have somebody at the church helping us stay connected. Um, I'm excited to talk about this because you guys are one of our newer partners, but you're also doing things that are really significant in our community. So in a few minutes, I want to get into just hearing a little bit about your story and how this organization came about. But first, could you just give us a snapshot of what Newcomers Access Center does? Well, um, if you want to know what we do and what we need, I have it all written out right here. <laughs> there we on go. This list, <laughs> which is a pretty poignant visual. Yeah. Um, Newcomers Access Center serves refugees and immigrants. And um, how we started off was a neighbor, I moved to Claremont about eight and a half years ago. I'd lived overseas and I lived in Washington, D.C. area for about 28 years, raised my family there. And I got tired of the winter, so we moved west. And uh, I still had my business. And a neighbor of mine said, uh, she was connected with the local school. And she said, there's a young girl who's just in the ninth grade over at the high school and she just came from Syria a few days ago and she's having a really hard time and maybe you'd like to tutor over there. Well, I'm not an ESL teacher. I mean, I used to be a kindergarten teacher and I think that's a huge leap to ESL. (laughs) And uh, so I said, okay. So I went over there and the teacher asked me to come two or three mornings a week and this little girl was so shy and she was so sweet, and she wasn't feeling very awake. Most teenagers aren't, but in the Syrian culture, the main meal is late in the day, so she wasn't getting enough sleep at night. So I met her and worked with her a little bit, and then I met her family, and then I met some other Syrian families, and then I met people at the local uh, mosque, and then some politicians, and then community people, and it just grew from there. And this young girl is now in college. She's a math major. I just saw her about three weeks ago. I haven't seen, and she has yet to allow me to take her photograph. Okay, so, but a real smart little girl, and um, that's how it kind of got started. And then a few people in the community had a meeting at a local, uh, I think, it was the Presbyterian Church, and there were. A, some people helping refugees and and then someone said well we should get ourselves organized there must have been about 40 or 50 people at this meeting and uh, so um, the local quaker organization offered their facility and it wasn't big enough and so i said well and this was um in late 2006 fall of 2016 i think 15 or 16 and um so i offered my home and for two weeks, every excuse me, every other week for six months, people came to my home and we met and people just rose to the occasion and said, I can do that and I can do that. And a friend of mine who is now deceased, um, Barbara Oswald, uh, started an access program when she was in Dearborn, Michigan. And during this process, she uh, showed up at my door with this very fancy four-color brochure. And she says, Ann, you should start one of these. 
And I said, I have a business and I'm too old. And she says, no, you're not. And I looked in here, it's like $25 million budget. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> we're trying to find paper, to uh, money to print something on paper. And so it just grew from that. And I ran out of chairs in my living room. So we had to move our meeting to another location. It, one of the retirement homes had a space that we where we could meet. And one of the f many fun uh, parts of that process was thinking of a name. We wanted it to be more all-inclusive. We wanted to not name a city or a town or a state because we wanted to offer to all immigrants and all refugees. And as I said, the most the people we helped the most at the beginning were the Syrians because they were the ones that were coming at the time. Uh, many of whom, as Karen had mentioned, were traumatized by war. And uh, some of the little ones were born in the refugee camps. And when they were in the refugee camps, education was at a minimum. You've probably heard this from mission missionaries as well. So uh, when they came, they needed everything. And um, sometimes we had to pay for them to raise money and pay for them to stay in a motel, which is highly unpleasant, especially if you have a large family. Uh, a couple large families had to get two rooms. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then we just had a very two or three times we discussed the name and came up with newcomers. And I wanted to put an apostrophe in there, but I lost that battle. Yeah. <laughs> you got to work in a team. <laughs> you got yeah. to go with the flow anyway. Yeah. Um, so the Newcomers Access Center, and our goal is to help the clients become independent. Statistics show that immigrants, it takes about seven years on average to become independent in the new nation, be it here or wherever they are. And this can include people who are immigrants or, or displaced persons internally as well. Mm -hmm. And so we were focused on the Muslim community primarily because that was our clientele. And then, of course, we have clients from from uh, Egypt, Palestine, Jordan, you know, periphery. And then we have, of course, then the Afghans. Mm -hmm. And the Afghans are kind of an interesting situation because they come on a special visa. It's called SIV, stands for Special Immigration Visa. And these visas um, are given to uh, men primarily, there's a few women, uh, who worked for the U.S. military while they were in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And they were allowed to bring their immediate family, which is a spouse and children. No parents, no ancillary people, no siblings. And that's been real rough because many of them were dependent on the extended family to watch the small children so the adults could go to school or work. And... Um, just this last week, a gentleman who's been here six years now, and he's got his U.S. citizenship so he can sponsor his parents, and he's been begging me, and I've been trying to find a way. He needs a co-sponsor on their application because his income isn't quite high enough. I, I don't remember. It's short by maybe less than two, uh, eight or $9,000. Mm -hmm. So what he's looking for is somebody who will just sign a paper as a co-sponsor, and he will take all responsibility financially for his parents. And that's another case. When they come, he's got two preschoolers. His parents can watch the children. And his wife, who used to be a university chemistry professor, who's trying to get her English up to speed, uh, can go to work. Maybe not in that field, but she could go to work. And so that's what one of the needs we have right now. Yeah. So that's kind of how it came. And you wanted to know how I came uh, involved? Yeah. I think, yeah, just yeah. In, in the community. And, you know, ever since I was very young, I was involved in social justice. 
I must have been in primary school and my mother was making a basket for the, uh, we called them the poor children. Nowadays they call them the underserved or whatever it is. And uh, so she said, go, in your, go, get, go to your room and get a toy to give away. That was a tough, that's a tough <laughs> thing for a seven, eight or nine year old to do, you know? And we didn't have the plethora of toys that people, kids have now, but you know, it was tough. And I remembered that. And uh, then when uh, I was living back East and the Vietnam, Vietnamese came in 1975, um, I helped in helping tutoring. I mean, cause that was the need, you know, learn, reading children's books with adults. That's, I find that to be the best way. And especially if they have kids, they can read to their children and they both learn together. So that's, that's, uh, I've always done social justice work. And so this in, came, fell in my lap. And then a couple of years after uh, I was involved with it, I got more and more involved. And I thought, this is a lot more fun than my job. <laughs> And I was I was a financial planner, and I was blessed to sell my practice. A fellow I knew for many years wanted to buy it, and I said, "It's yours," and because I've got better things to do. Yeah, and a uh, new direction. I got a new direction. And uh, yes, I am president of the board of directors, and that's since January. We we switch around, and I will put a plug in that we're always looking for board of directors, yeah. people who want to serve. We meet formally six times a year, but we meet in between because right now we're in a little transition and we need to put our heads together on yeah. things. And and that's good. And we'll get in later on. We'll talk more just about the whole idea of the opportunities for people to serve. Sure. But, I mean, I love you talking about this. You know, what? one of the things for, for us as a church, one of the reasons why this is so compelling for us is because throughout scripture, especially in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, there's massive talk about God's heart for, and, and it's termed in different ways in different translations, but the foreigner among you, the stranger among you, yes. the, the alien among you, and just yes. how significant that is. And so talking about the work that you're doing, we know this is close to God's heart because of the vulnerabilities there. That's right. Um, and be, before going a little more into that, Karen, I would just love to hear from you just being the liaison, being around this, what have been some things that you've seen that have just sort of captured your attention or got you excited about this? Well, um, first of all, just getting to know Anne and um, her passion for helping refugees. And I guess I didn't realize, you know, you watch the news, you see stuff happen. You know, I we all watched what happened when people were escaping Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And um, we know what's going on in Ukraine right now, but it's real easy to watch the news, get emotional, and then turn it off and make dinner or do something like that. But um, when I'm interfacing with Anne more often and I'm hearing stories of people really here in the United States trying to, you know, the United States government has brought them here and is depending on the non-government agencies to help mm -hmm. them out. Um, it hits a little closer to home and it's a little more on your on your front of your mind. And um, they're, they're, it, it's hard. I can't even imagine what a lot of these families are yeah. going through. And you know, I worry about taking care of my own kids as they were growing up, and they're worried about so much more of the, you know, than, than what I had to worry about. And uh, their livelihood, you know, what they were doing before, they can't do here because they can't speak English, perhaps. Um, you know, that it, it brings it to the front of your mind a lot more. So we've, you know, it's been fun for me because I'm representing LBF, 
And I'm able to go and, you know, help buy supplies be on behalf of LBF for newcomers, people getting in their apartments and trying to um, get outfitted with some supplies. And there's so much more that we could be doing as a church, but it takes a little time to get everybody um, acclimated or understand what's going on with a particular charity and to develop a passion for some of these different things that are going on out there and the needs yeah. in the community. But um, it's it's been a it's been an adventure for me, a learning experience experience because I think I didn't know or understand what was really happening in our own community here or maybe I just had a blind eye because you know I turned off the when I turned off the TV I got on distracted in my own life yeah well and and that's actually something I'd like to kind of ask about next you know there it that there's probably a lot of us that we have very limited um, interactions with people especially with first generation immigrants right and so you know I, I, I'm curious what are maybe what you have experienced some of misconceptions or things that people just wouldn't know about the needs and sort of what life is like for both first-generation immigrants and for refugees who have come over here. Right, right. Well, there's little things. Uh, someone, a friend of mine, uh, had a dining room, oak dining room table with, I think, six or five or six oak chairs. It was lovely. And I asked this family if they liked it. I had a picture. I showed it to them, and they'd been here maybe six months and the the they're from um, uh, Afghanistan, uh, from Syria, are they? Yeah, I think so. I get I get their nations of origin runs together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's all a blur because I don't know any of those languages. <clears throat> but anyway, oh yes, this would be nice. And it's tempting to expect that they understand you. This culture and the and the Afghans in particular. Do not use a table and chairs. Mm. They eat on the floor. So what they really needed in their apartment, because they had spilled some, the baby had spilled something and it stained in there, and they were worried because the landlord wasn't going to like that when they moved out. And so what they needed was not a table and chairs. Some of those plastic tablecloths from the Dollar Tree, so they could put them on the floor and prepare and serve their meals. And so there's little things like that that you that you learn about their cultures and how they work, and. Um, of course, we now have uh, a network of translators, and some of them are fabulous because they let me call at the drop of a hat. Uh, some of them are just in conversation. Some will come, like when I'm dealing with a financial issue, trying to help a family figure out why they need to work more and why hmm. they need to save for a security deposit, um, especially with teenagers that get a little money and they're off to the to the phone store or wherever they are, you know, that, that, that's kind of, so if I'm doing something like that, I have a translator come into the room and we try to work together. So in answer to your questions, there's just so many little things like that. And so at first we had, um, our office at a church down in Pomona, and we didn't have any housing. We had housing for, for one or two families, and that didn't work out too well in the church building. Um, so we were there and then, a year ago, this last month, September, the Claremont School of Theology offered us space. And I think I mentioned it's two apartments combined. So our office is a space with three full bathrooms and two kitchens, which we really <laughs> don't. All I need is a teapot to heat water for tea, you know. And um, so, um, and they've also given us four apartments. And so the idea is the family would come and stay three, four months. A couple of them stayed five months, but usually three to four months. And during that time, they get their work permits if that's 
under their visa permission. They get a job. They get kids. We get the kids in school. We have English classes every day at the center. Hmm. And some days we have a lot. Some days we don't. And <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, so there's a lot of activity going on. And that's when the volunteers come. And sometimes, you know, volunteers aren't sure what to do, but we always find something. So uh, that's, so it was Afghans. And now it turns out that the four apartments are housing four Ukrainian families. Great. Two of them are single women with children and their spouses are still in Ukraine. One is a young couple who came a week ago and they uh, have a grown son who can't get out. The borders are, are um, closed and they're really worried about him. There's another family who won't be staying with us. We found alternative housing for him in someone's home. That usually doesn't work out too well because of the cultural differences and the language, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Karen, is really problematic. And there's a gentleman in Rancho Cucamonga who has two, he is, he's a scientist and he works from home and he has two Ukrainian families living in his house. And they all seem to be getting along well. Um, and he and I talked about, should he charge them rent? And I said, absolutely. The ones that live on the Claremont School of Theology campus pay rent. It's below market, but it's real important for them to establish credit because that's the first thing that's going to be needed when they um, go look for a place to live on their own. And so one of the huge things, and Karen knows that we raise money for, is rent supplements. We've never paid a full month. We've never paid a full security deposit because we want them to have an investment in what they're in their true sense of what they're doing. So, but right now that's a big problem because uh, the Claremont School of Theology has asked us to leave the campus. They're being sold, or the Claremont Colleges, the Cross Foothill, are buying the campus, and we don't know what when that's going to happen. So, we are. I asked Karen, I said, do you guys have any space? <laughs> You'll be looking for a new home for this organization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but that's, that's one way that you need help is for people to, who, if they don't have time to volunteer, you talk about sharing time, treasures and talent. Um, maybe some of your treasures can help with something like this where yeah. they need supplementation yeah. for apartment rent and yeah. different things. And when people go to volunteer for helping with English, they're not necessarily English teachers. So I don't hope that people don't feel like they have to have a degree in English no. to go help. Sometimes it's just reading and helping somebody. And we have the, a lot of they, tools yeah. to use. Like right. we have calendars and flashcards and all that kind of business. And uh, in every community that I know of in California, there is an adult school where you can go and learn English. And it's free. And you don't have to live. Like I, I can go to Claremont if I live in Upland and vice versa from what I gather. And it just depends. But then you're not working. So, you know, right. that's a tough one. Uh, but you're right helping with getting them rent and the thing is they haven't been here one family came uh two weeks ago they landed at lax i got a call the night before i mean the night before saying and they're arriving at 8 30 and they'll be in claremont at however time that would be 10 o'clock 10 11 o'clock darling family with a two-year-old mm -hmm. and um so and we have another family that came in mid early uh, mid-september the father he's a pediatrician he worked in Kabul many years. He worked with a, uh, a physician who's retired who now lives in Pas who lives in Pasadena. So they kind of hooked up, and he came with his two younger children, two and six, I think, or three and six years old. I haven't met him personally yet, and his wife only came two days ago because of some administrative snafu. 
Uh, the, the U.S. Embassy for Afghanistan is in Qatar. So everybody has to go there, and sometimes they wait months to, for their paperwork. And it's unfortunate that the U.S. government has uh, financial allotments for certain people based on their visa and their country of origin, and they're not all the same, and I have not memorized them. But I just want to share with you where we, how they find us. We work with two or three resettlement agencies, and resettlement agencies, there's about 300 of them in the U.S., have a direct line to the Department of State and uh, Immigration Services. And so they find out about people, and I probably get, on average, three calls a week and do you have any housing? Do you have any housing? Do you have any housing for that? And uh, so they will call me. As I said, it's not always a lot of notice because they don't know when that person's getting on the plane. And uh, then they call us and say, you know, what do you have? So right now, um, the gentleman, the physician, he has found an apartment and somehow, um, you know, the average cost of a one-bedroom apartment is what? $2,300 $2, a month. And because they have no credit, the landlord wants a co-signer and two months rent and a huge security deposit. I mean, it's very expensive. For sure. And uh, so we're going to be really sad that we have to leave uh, those four apartments. Um, and um, I'm just going to be really sad. And yeah. we have furnished them. So when they leave and go to a new place, as far as I'm concerned, they can take all the furniture with them. Yeah. I was hoping the School of Theology would change their mind, but I don't think they're. It's not looking and that really might be cool. another way that people in the congregation can help, is if maybe somebody is involved in property management and, and has access or knowledge of landlords who might have compassion for the um, refugees and maybe be willing to take a little bit of a chance and not require so much security deposit or whatnot and yeah, that's true. in an so, effort to kind yeah. of help. So there's all sorts of ways that the people in the church can maybe use some of the connections that they have in the community to, mm -hmm. to help. Um, we've got some folks that I've talked to that have trucks even. and, well, and We're going to need that. And <laughs> be able to help drive help and, and take yeah. furniture around and stuff at kind of a moment's notice if – if um, and needs some help transporting furniture into one of these apartments for yeah, folks, yeah. and so people just being on a, a call list like that is a way that they can. They yeah, can we have help. a list of people who have trucks. <laughs> and That's great. Of people, a couple of them have trucks, but they don't lift anything. So we have to <laughs> <laughs> got to get in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it, when what I love about what what you both are just talking about here is to say for for opportunities for involvement because I agree, Karen. You had said earlier just the idea of you know whether it was thinking of some of the recent things, you know, Syria and then Afghanistan and then Ukraine, we see these things and our hearts grieve. And then we just feel like, but I can't do anything about this. And now to say like, well, there, there is actually something we can well, do. Well, it does a lot in your heart I'm when sure, you do. Yeah. I mean, we had, um, I gave a, a talk at a, at a synagogue and, and, uh, I brought a client with us, and she they were going to move the following Saturday. And I said, well, we have a need right now. We need a truck and someone to drive it to take them from Claremont. They moved near um, Torrance area. And this woman came, and she says, I love to drive trucks. If you pay for the U-Haul, I'll be glad to do it. And there she was with her team on Saturday morning with you know, and the family, it was so grateful. And yeah. we were so grateful. Which is wonderful because you get something like that where, where you say, well, what skill set do you need? You need a truck, <laughs> you know, low level skill set. And even some of the stuff that you were saying, hey, coming into the office and just being available to help out, 
you know, mm -hmm. being there to um, to help be a, an English conversation partner or help with things. And so things that a lot of us could say, okay, I, I qualify for that. But then also bringing up that there are people who have more of an area of expertise that they could bring to this. Either right. professionals. Yeah, 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 either with English or like you, you were talking about, Karen, with helping with the housing, which is such a huge a need thing. and figuring out, okay, are, do we have some connections? Do we have some ways? And then certainly also, like you talked about the, the financing, the financial giving just to help supplement that so that mm -hmm. people can, like you said, they can have some skin in the game and, and, a, and have some dignity of paying the rent when they go, but so that we can help out because this is Southern California. The average Southern Californians trying to figure out how to do this. You got somebody with a lot less resources trying to make rent in Southern yeah. California. No easy task. Right. And so what a great thing for us to say, just even through financial giving, we can help set somebody up in a situation like this. Because you were saying many of the um, Afghani refugees are professionals. They're, they're very- Many of the Ukrainians yeah, we have. The Ukrainians a, also. I told you a pediatrician we have. A woman who is, has a master's degree in finance and banking, and she's working at a shop in the mall. I yeah. mean, this is a, we have a woman who's an economist, worked for the Ukrainian government. She traveled to China, Japan, and other places for her job. She is working in a early morning shift. I'm talking early morning shift at a gas station and making the coffee and the selling the top dogs and the donuts and all that business. And, you know, it's hard for them to see a way out. Oh, sure. But the yeah. wonderful part is, and then uh, we have three adults who are working in the same Italian restaurant uh, washing dishes. And the, the manager came to see, he, he, I saw him at, at the restaurant because I had gone there for a meeting. And he says, I'm coming over in the afternoon and see you, Anne. I said, okay. He says, he, and so I turned around in the office and there he is standing in the, um, in the lobby. And he says, don't you have somebody who can cook? And I happened to get two gals from Ukraine come on. And I said, how's your Russian, Oscar? He says, well, not too good. I said, but if you show them what to do, he says, well, they can make pizza. So I don't know if he's hired them yet or not, <laughs> but um, I'll find out this That's week. That's great. Yes. Well, and that, it, so there's so many opportunities. Yeah. And then, the, of course, transport, it's housing. And the second one is transportation. Um, some, we've got three adults who need a car. And I call it a transportation car. And... Uh, we are not in the car business. And so if someone has an automobile and they want to donate it to us, we have a program. It's on our website where you donate the car Perfect. and it goes to auction. And then we get, I think, 70% of the proceeds. So that helps. Or if you have a vehicle you want to donate to a person, I get you in touch with the client. We stay out of that transaction because yeah. we don't want to appear to be knowledgeable about the condition of the car. Right, right, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I love this again. And and we're we're going to, um, in the description for the video, when we put this up, we'll make sure to link to your guys' website so that oh, yeah, people can see this. But I know something that you also both were talking about before we started recording was uh, in February. February, you have this gala coming oh, yes. up. Oh, yes, this is going to be so nice. And so let, let's talk about this just as an, uh, another opportunity for people to become involved. Sure. Uh, we're, we uh, pre-planned it's been three years since we planned it because our first one fell through with COVID uh, but um, it's going to be at the Padua Hills Theater uh, location I don't know if you've yeah. ever been yeah, there yeah absolutely I've not been there for an event this oh, will be my I first. got I got to do a wedding there one oh you time. did and it's a beautiful oh, setting. it's a beautiful place yeah. so uh, every year they allow three or four nonprofits to use it for a very small fee so we are that planning is going it's on 
Sunday afternoon, the 26th of February, four to seven o'clock, and we're gonna also have a silent auction. Maybe there's people in your congregation who have um, want to donate something for the silent auction, and that can be services. There's, uh, if maybe they know of a B&B and Big Bear or Palm Springs or somewhere where they could get us um, that, excuse me, that opportunity. And, um, you know, get those things donated. Um, I'm trying to think, so the silent auction, there's gonna be a dinner and there's going to uh, be lots of fun music, uh, acoustic music mm -hmm. from a little folk group. And then potentially also and volunteers just to kind of help run the whole thing. Yeah, and maybe your congregation would want to purchase a couple tables mm -hmm. and be a, mm -hmm. a sponsor. And if you're a sponsor, then you get, there's a list on our website, of, you get extra opportunity tickets and you get your name in the program and all that recognition and so forth and so on. And um, then we will need, and you know, we were had a plan, one part of the planning meeting yesterday, turns out that some of the people we need as volunteers, we presume are gonna be younger because we are gonna have um, those iPad automatic payments for when you purchase something at the auction or at the soda or the wine, you know. Yeah. You so have, you gotta have somebody that so speaks that language. It's not yeah. me. <laughs> Some tech savvy folks. Tech savvy, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, and so one of our uh, young people, we have a, three interns from the colleges were helping us and she said, yeah, we don't carry credit cards. Everything's on their phone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I said, well, that leaves me out, so. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so we need, yeah, so need once again, lots of avenues for involvement yes, in something like that. It's That's donors, right. as participants, as volunteers. Yes. Set up, clean set up, up, the whole bit, yep. yeah. Yep. And so the, I, the, the event's from 4 to 7, but the setup is going to start at 1230. And uh, we are blessed to have, oh, we are so blessed, a woman who is a professional event planner who's done this tons of times, very high end. And she, we met at a, at a meeting like pre-pandemic. And... Um, we just hit it off and she said, I wanna do this for Newcomers Access Center. Oh, and wonderful. she's just, so she, yesterday she had her assignments, like who's gonna do what first and, and second and third and the flow chart. So if you're doing, um, checking in people, then after an hour you go over there and you do something else. I don't know what all, yeah. but uh, whatever she says, I agree. That's good, a real pro. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just there to write checks when she needs to, well, I don't write the checks, but provides. So as mm -hmm. people are watching this podcast, if they do feel like, hey, this is something I may want to help with or I want to be available that day, um, have them reach out to the church office and then they can be and then the church office will connect them with me. Perfect. And really I'll get nice, people coordinate, coordinated um, and ready for volunteer work. If somebody wants to host a table, same same idea. Um, get them connected through the office. They'll they'll put um, that person in touch with me. And if somebody's thinking that this has inspired them, and they maybe they've got a different idea of how they might be able to provide some um, help or resource mm -hmm. to newcomers, and they're not sure if it would work out or be something that newcomers needs, please contact the church office. They'll connect you with me, and we'll figure out a way to make it all work and and get you connected with newcomers. But that's that's my. Hope is that we can get more and more people at this church involved with newcomers, and I'm here to help make that connection happen. And just go to the church office or call the church office and have them connect you well, with me. Be fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, there's it, a lot of things, and there's, there's another event coming up November 12th, which is uh, Veterans Weekend on the 12th. Uh, I said that twice. Sorry. 
and uh, at the uh, Grace Lutheran Church in Upland. I don't know if you know Reverend okay. Wesley. Yeah, and uh, they wanted to do something for a refugee group, and they selected us, and we were just thrilled oh, as the good. beneficiary. They're doing a concert and then a cheese and wine reception afterward, and it's uh, at four thirty that af- that Saturday afternoon, and that's good. That's on the website too. And, Wonderful. And, uh, so the agreement was that they wanted to do it, but our organization would have to take responsibility in selling the tickets. And again, that's a younger person's job, not mine. But yeah. they figured all the technology out, and they're they're doing that. So we're real excited about things. But I think the gala is going to be very special, very Good. special. And I'm glad. I know uh, there um, there's a book group that's going to join. I think there's a bridge club that's going to buy a sponsorship. So there's. Not primarily people of faith, because they're the first ones that step up to the plate mm-hmm. in this situation. That's always the case. At least that's my experience. Yeah. And um, and so they want to come as a group, by, sponsor a couple of tables, and then bring their people. And it's kind of fun. I mean, you're with your friends, and you're doing good work. Um, but there's other opportunities for for the um uh, volunteers if they want to get to know a family. The families are li- little reticent especially at first because they don't know who to trust and but if they work with us then and we do background checks on all volunteers and that's just a routine and only mm-hmm. once has someone refused to do it and uh, I said I'm sorry you can't be at the center and you certainly can't be around the kids right. I don't know the reason and I don't want to know the reason but that's something we do as a matter of routine and uh, it's for their protection as well as ours so you know we always need the office vacuumed i mean we always have things that you know home what i call honeydew stuff to go Mm -hmm. on and since we're planning to relocate there's i've got i don't have enough yet but i have different volunteers in charge of different things one's in charge of the art projects one's in charge of the diaper things one's in charge of you know different we have uh jobs we have a small uh, computer lab and i think we're going to downsized to two computers uh, for clients they can come anytime that that you know and if we're not having office hours we try to meet them at a different time and sit with them that's another thing people can do is sit and help them with the with the computer and with uh, filling out questionnaires uh, getting them if they want to take a college class how to enroll i got a call yesterday from a client uh, actually, it was a text. He doesn't use the phone. And uh, say that his wife wants to enroll in the uh, college. So I've got, you know, somebody knows how to do that. It's pretty straightforward. But for immigrants, like you said, uh, Pastor Dan, first generation, they don't know how to read those forms. They don't, I don't even know half the time what they're asking, you know. So that's that can be a very, you don't have to have training that in that to read read a form. And um, the other thing is getting them, I mentioned transportation to and from social services, to and from the social security office and those sorts of things. And those types of needs don't happen in one visit. Sure. It's many visits. And um, of course, then there's the medical appointments and that sort of thing. That's another whole ball of wax. Yeah. So, well, that's a great opportunity for someone who might be retired who has the ability to go to a doctor's appointment at one o'clock in the afternoon and maybe could be a mentor to that family or a sponsor to that family and whatnot. The families are so grateful. I remember some of the um, things that. LBF was able to donate for um, some of the different apartments, the supplies. Um, you got a very nice thank you note from the family and shared it with me. Mm-hmm. It was just, it's, it's just, they're very grateful. And I know it's probably hard for them to, they don't know who's helping them really. And, um, but they're, they're very grateful people. Yeah. yeah. And we have, um, 
we, we have needs for volunteers, for example, I call them the manager. Uh, we need somebody to come and sit in the lobby and be the manager, you know, just take questions and try to find out how we can help. And we have a list of people who are drivers. So if we needed, as you said, Karen, someone to go from here to there at one in the afternoon, not knowing how long the the medical visit's going to take, you know, who can do it? Uh, the woman that's working at the at the shopping mall gets off work at 10 o'clock, and uh, she said she'll take the bus, but she has to walk to the local transfer station, which is several blocks, and I don't want her walking out there at 10.30 at night, you know? So we put out the uh, notice, and, of course, a couple of people answer right away it's usually my bedtime but this once i'll do it you yeah know, that sort of thing well that's wonderful yeah. well, well i'm excited just for uh, us to figure out what this looks like and us partnering with you this is such a significant thing in our community that we're excited to be a part of and so thanks so much for taking the time to come and let us in on it and you're especially welcome. and thank you for the work that you're doing thank you very much um, and karen thank you for helping our church get more connected here that's such a valuable thing that you are sort of the vehicle for us to figure out how we get more people involved in this great organization yeah um, and thank you to all of you who took the time to listen to or to watch this we're excited about talking it maybe you're listening to this and you're not part of lbf church but you're in the community and you say this is something i want to check out but especially for those of you who are part of our church, that as we look to live out the calling for Jesus in our community and show the justice and mercy of God as a sign of what Jesus is doing, these sorts of opportunities are significant for all of us. So thanks for taking the time to watch um, all, the, all the episodes of the Christian Contrast podcast you can find on our YouTube channel for, you, uh, for Life Bible Fellowship Church and also just on our website, lbf.church. And uh, you can comment and give some feedback or give questions and we'll be happy to engage with you on that. So thank you both for taking the time thank to you. do this. Um, thank and you. for those of you watching, we'll see you again in two weeks with a new episode. Mm -hmm.